For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's a special New Year's Eve edition of Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome, and thanks for tuning in. Please rate, review, and subscribe across all listening platforms, along with ESPN's Ryan Leaf, fresh off the cheese it Bowl. My name is Jonathan Rifkin. Delighted to be with you for the final podcast of the 2019 year and of this decade. Pretty crazy. We are entering a brand new decade, a lot of football in our future, but two games to recap, both of which saw the Pac-12 losing, both of which Ryan predicted pretty handedly. I don't know if you predicted Iowa to drop a, almost a 50-burger on USC, but you were right in the realm. I mean, you're you're on it. You predicted Clemson. <laughs> you, I, The naysayers out there, and there's only like four of them now because people have come to their senses with your predictions. I mean... How have, are you just an oracle? Like, how have you been yeah, able to yeah. do it? That's that's it. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It just felt like common sense going into this deal. Now, I, I, I'm not going to take a ton of credit for the Clemson thing. I mean, that game was as good as you can imagine. There's a couple calls here or there that probably could have swayed that differently. That was pro- I believe it was an, a catch and a fumble that got returned for a touchdown. So, you know, that, that game could be completely different. But Clemson found a way to win, You and, and they've done that all year long, and they've done that for the past, you know, decade, essentially. So... Setting up a tremendous national championship, but the Pac-12 is is limping into today. You know they're going to play Cal and Illinois, and then we have Florida State and San Diego or uh, Arizona State before the Big Rose Bowl. And other than the Washington thumping of of Boise State, which looked really good, it's it's been it's been a struggle. Um, I I did not see that USC beating coming. I mean, I I thought USC had an opportunity to actually showcase. What they could do offensively. I know they lost Keaton Slovis, but still, you know, they 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 gave up 49 points to a team that was averaging 24. They let them double them up in a bowl game on the West Coast, an hour or two from the, from their home. It, it it's embarrassing, and I I actually thought, you know, they just they came out and said Clay's going to be with us next year, and then after that performance, I honestly thought Mike Bone might walk into the locker room after and say, hey. Uh, I, yeah, I take that back, uh, Clay. You're gone, too. Instead, Clay Helton walked into that locker room, and he canned Clancy Pendergast, the defensive coordinator, and John Baxter, the special teams coach. What do you see as the future at that posi- at that for those roles at USC? Because USC defense used to be a staple of this program. You used to have you know a hardcore running back, and then you had the massive front seven and a good offensive line, and that defense has been poor all season. Special teams defense especially was just awful this season. One of the worst in the nation, worst in the Pac-12. I mean, how do you rebuild that side of this program, and who do you bring in to do it? That's a good question, you know. Um, If I'm Mike Bone, I'm flying up to the Red Box Bowl today, and after this game, I'm walking into Justin Wilcox and saying, hey, uh, do you want to be the head coach at USC? 
That's what I'm doing. Um, will he do anything like that? I don't think so. Uh, that might not be as what he thinks is his guy, and that's the reason why they didn't move on from Clay Helton because he didn't have a guy in place. He just didn't want to throw somebody in there and watch them flop around for a couple years and be the Cleveland Browns. You know, So uh, what I want to see happen is I want him to be definite with what he wants to do. And clearly right now he thinks Clay Helton's that answer. And we'll see. Alabama's next for them, which is crazy to think. Alabama's going to be pissed. Uh, USC uh, is an unknown. Watching what the first two weeks will play out in terms of the national narrative next season for the Pac-12 Conference will be very, very interesting. With the givens of what's gone on in bowl season, we're recording this on a Monday, by the way, so we're not going to recap the two Monday games, the Arizona State-Florida State game and the uh, Illinois-Cal game. But with the givens of the bowl season, Washington beating Boise State, group of five, you can make an argument that maybe they were a bit overrated. I don't think they were. I thought it was a good win, like you said before. Um, But USC losing to Iowa will get to the Washington State loss to Air Force. How much does the Pac-12's 2019 perception rely on the Rose Bowl now and the results of that game? I mean, pretty heavily, and I think it normally does. Um, You know, that's your champion up against... You know, you're looking up up against a team that wasn't the champion of the Big Ten, so it's kind of, it's kind of. If they were to get beat, then it's even more of a right. We'd call a, a, you know, a referendum on the conferences is not being able to compete nationally. So I think it's really important. It's it's almost you win, you were supposed to win. You lose, then there's a problem. I think Cal beats Illinois most likely. I don't know what we're going to see with Arizona State and Florida State because Arizona State doesn't have some of their best players on the football team. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. But for the rest of it, um, it, you know, the two games that we're going to recap right now, uh, really, really poor performances by both teams in primetime moments. They were the only two games on TV, and they shared the spotlight for about a half, and the rest was for everybody to watch it play out in that form. USC gave up 115 rushing yards on 35 carries to Iowa, or to Iowa, not Iowa State, who also lost. Um, they gave up 213 yards and only 18 receptions to Iowa. That's the biggest thing. They were giving up 12 yards per reception against a team that historically has not been a good passing team. And this season, the only conference play, the only Big Ten game that they put up more than 30 points or 28 points and was against Rutgers, which we all question being in that conference anyway so for them to go to san diego which has typically been uh, a home ground for usc fans and to just light it up to drop 49 on this usc defense is awful and then again as as we said before clancy pendergrass and john baxter baxter both canned for usc after that's going to be an unfolding story who fills in those spots and what usc can do because they cannot recruit defensive players they're not recruiting four and five star defenders i mean utah is a better defensive recruiting class than USC does. Um, so I everybody's talking about how USC is going to be favored going into next season. They will. I disagree with it. I'm, But at the same time, who knows what the South, right, at this point, because the South is this crazy crapshoot um, where now we're seeing anybody really could emerge, unless you're UCLA or Arizona. Well... <sighs> They're going to be they're going to be the, the the media's favorite when it when it plays out um, come uh, July when we have Pac-12 media days, and you know that's just the way it's going to be a lot of the times. Utah, Arizona State, I think are in the mix. Um, you know, 
I, you know, Colorado and Mel Tucker with what they're doing, mate, they're up and coming. But I really think right now it's those three teams. It's going to be about Arizona State, Utah, and USC. And that's kind of how it's going to be with Herm Edwards and Kyle Whittingham doing what they're doing now. Um, Arizona State's funny to me just because they, uh, they've they had all this meteoric rise and talk about what they've done in the program and stuff, yet for both years they went 7-5. and five. So, you know, it's the same record as Todd Graham in his final year before he got fired. So when are we going to see the other wins? Is it this year? Are they going to win the South? Are they going to be uh, – I think I think they're, the South for the next couple of years are going to be a long way away from battling those great teams in the North, in, in Oregon, Washington, and, you know, we'll see what Stanford and how they bounce back. But the improvement of Cal, Oregon State's improvement – you know, Washington State's there every year. It's the North's going to be really difficult for whoever comes out of the South for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, like you, I mean, just USC's name alone gives it the benefit of the doubt. And when you put it in a place like the South, where there are weaker programs than the North, they get the benefit of the doubt even more. Um, so that this whole this whole season for USC has been whack. It's been really, really weird. First starting with JT Daniels getting injured. And then freshman unknown Keaton Slovis coming in, and then he just lights up Stanford, who was ranked at the time. And since then, it's just been this up and down. You know, the Utah win on a Friday night, and then the the blowout against Oregon at home a couple of weeks later. It's just been a weird season for the Trojans. Not to mention all the recruits that flipped. Not to mention whether or not Clay Helton was going to stay. That storyline. Um, Twenty nineteen did not treat the Trojans very well, though they. I mean, they're not. They're going to end unranked. They they were twenty two, losing to Iowa in the final polls. They'll probably drop out. Um, so they will not be a top 25 team come the new year. All right, before we get to the Washington State Air Force game, it's time for a live read. Ryan, I don't know if our relationship is strong enough to withstand this live read, but we're about to find out. All right, ready? Yeah. Support for Believe in the Pac-12 comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. It's 2020, and you know what that means. New year, new me, new balls. Men, listen up. Hairy bushes are so 2019. If you're going to pick a New Year's resolution this year, let it be to take care of your junk. Manscaped is making it easy with their grooming products. You know, sometimes you wake up in the morning and you're a little itchy down south and you realize it's a little it's a little prickly. It's a little uncomfortable, especially when it's cold out and the air is denser. You really start to feel that you know that of which you know i'm talking about down south and that's why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past and don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use on your balls that's just dirty manscaped also has the crop preserver an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer like i said things are getting cold especially in 2020 you want to make sure that you aren't chafing down there use manscaped's anti-chafing ball deodorant you already put the deodorant on your armpit so why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body as well your balls get 20 percent off free shipping with the code believe at manscaped.com start the new year off right by using the best tools for the job your balls will thank you get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code believe that's b-l-e-a-v at manscaped.com washington state wait we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna just gloss over what you just did right there like <laughs> you you have a comment 
Yeah, I have a comment. What was the last time you shaved your balls? Um, I'm probably a, a three month guy. Three? Wow. Okay. You know, I think I, I think that's it. It's all about your lady. Whatever your lady wants. That's what's important here. You know, this is something that's actually a, you know, a, a man's issue. You know, it's for me. It's whatever my lady wants, and uh, uh, for you out there, whatever your man wants. It doesn't matter. You know, that's what that's what it takes. But I, I think that's a that's a, a funny ad we have on our <laughs> podcast this week. I'm probably like a month and a half. But mm-hmm. It depends. It depends on the work and whether or not I have blades. But it doesn't matter if I have blades anymore because I'm going to get manscaped. Yeah, there you go. So. Yeah, it's the lawnmower, whatever. <laughs> the lawnmower 2.0 with proprietary. Yeah, proprietary, a word that I will never be able to see. Um, all right, now can we transition to a team that uh, got kicked in their balls, Washington State against Air Force. You talked about how you were not going to be a fan of this game. It was funny when you when uh, awful announcing tweeted the or announcer schedules tweeted that you were on the call and somebody said it's going to be so nice to have a, a broadcaster who's not or who's a Washington State homer on the broadcast and you said well I'm sorry to tell you I'm not going to be that's not going to be me either uh, Air Force did exactly what you said that they would do coming into this game you and Clay were on the call you called it perfectly I mean what what happened well what happened is is they drove down the football field because their offense I thought would be unstoppable and from 20 to 20 from the 20 yard line to the 20 yard line when they got inside the red zone the field shrunk defensively air force had a better game plan uh against a a an offense that's difficult to defend and they got stops they stopped them that first drive on fourth down what i thought was very similar to what oregon did to utah on their first drive hit them in the mouth on fourth down stopped them and they they just didn't know how to respond really because then at the two yard line air force goes 98 yards in 20 plays in 12 and a half minutes and I asked Mike Leach during the week in our in our prep call about you know what are you going to do to eliminate the time of possession difference how is it going to play into effect and his answer was pretty Mike Leachian in terms of how he says it's defensive propaganda type of time of possession doesn't matter when you're scoring lots of points and everything like that but guess what when you turn it over and downs and then later in the half you turn it over on a fumble because of a blown right tackle, uh, and then you turn it over on downs one more time, you don't have enough possessions to score and win. And they were able to fight and stay in the football game, which which what they should with the Power 5 recruiting classes, uh, different than what Air Force can bring to the table. They fought and were, were in the football game, and then at the end of it, um, Air Force just, just had more physicality and got to the end zone. What a great finish to the football game with where Air Force reaches across the line, gets in for the touchdown to to seal it away, and and again, Washington State has yet to win back to back bowl games in their history. This year was a very good opportunity. Uh, they end up the season with a losing record for the first time since 2014. They go six and seven this year. Um, the lost Air Force was pretty pretty damaging. Uh, Anthony Gordon once again breaking a bunch of records, but has a losing season as a quarterback, starting quarterback. That's got to be tough. Uh, we'll see how they respond, who will be the next quarterback to step in that place. But really, my biggest question is who's going to be the defensive coordinator? Because though I thought they improved under Rock Bell and Tony, what we saw on Saturday or on Friday night was an absolutely dismantling. Uh, and I know it's difficult going against the triple option, and there was no way for them to really replicate it. Um, my college roommate was in Phoenix with me. He was talking to me. It was like, it had to have been like, how do you prepare for for Air Force's running attack with the guys you have on your scout team? 
It was like my year. We had a we had a walk on defensive back wearing number two for Michigan, trying to be Charles Woodson. I'm like, it's probably going to be different in the game, right. you know, and it, and it was. So it's it's always it's always difficult. I was. Uh, I think I, I don't feel like I went the other direction in terms of not trying to be a homer, but Washington State didn't give me anything that I could really be homerish about. And there was a lot of backlash from Washington State fans because I think they just they thought they were finally going to get like... But what, what there was, they had 16 minutes of offense. I had 16 minutes of offense to talk about them in a positive light. And that certainly didn't happen. Your arm feeling okay after the bomb that you threw prior to the game? <laughs> no, it's still hurting. <laughs> it's uh, still hurting. So this was a tale between of two, of two very different teams offensively. You had Anthony Gordon and Washington State, who threw the ball 42 times. He completed 28 of those passes. They only ran the ball eight times. Meanwhile, Air Force threw the ball 12 times. Uh, Hammond completed four passes, and they ran the ball 69 times. Number one, how do you... I mean... The, the run beat the pass in this game for all intents and purposes, but that plays to what you just said, which is Washington State's defense. How do you call a game with the triple option so prevalent? Is it tough? Is it tough to say, okay, this is what they're doing with the the backfield loaded? Yeah, and they do it from different angles. You know, it's all about, uh, it's all about lining up correctly first, right? Knowing where they're going to go because they line up pretty, you know, pretty evenly. So you have to make sure you have the guys ass- uh, assigned to who – Who's going to be running the football? Then after that, you know, you let your eyes do the work, right? You never take your eyes off who you got. And it's about assignment football then. Your assignment is this, and don't get bored. And what I mean by that is all game long you've been running to the pitch guy, and they've never pitched it. And you're doing your job because you're right out there on the pitch guy. And then you get bored, and you're like, I have done nothing. I've not made any tackles. I haven't done anything all night. I'm going to get involved in here. So you start running, and instead you put your foot in the ground and you go and tackle the quarterback. But the quarterback then pitches it to the pitch guy that you had, and he's gone. And that's what happened a few times late in that football game. And you just can't have it. you got to have gap, integrity, assignment football for 60 minutes of a football game when you play the triple option. And that's where they get you. They lull you to sleep. They run 69 rushing plays. You know They did not throw it well. They didn't throw it at all, and that was one of the things I talked about going into the game, how they were really explosive in the passing game. Clearly, Washington State was up to the task of that side of things, but what I was also really impressed with was Air Force's uh, defensive backs and their ability to play man coverage. They went out and played guys man-to-man against Washington State, who have some of the best receivers in the country, I feel like, and shut them down, and that, that was really, really impressive. I mean, there's not much you can do about Brandon Arcanado, but 11 for 167 and a touchdown against that kind of defense was was really impressive. Everybody else under 58 yards except for for Martin, who was one for 58. So he was, I mean, it was just one play for him. Um, but on the other side, Air Force, two different running backs with over 100 yards. You had Rumsburg, 178. You had uh, Birdo with 108. And then Donald Hammond, this, the third, excuse me, don't want to mess up his very prestigious... DJ. <laughs> DJ Hammond. DJ Hammond. Uh, two touchdowns on the ground for the quarterback as well. Air Force will finish in the top 25 for the first time since when? 2010. So they end the decade where they began the decade in the top 25. Good job, Air Force. Great season, 11-2. and Washington State uh, ends at 6-7, furthers the dismal conversation that is Pac-12 defense, especially uh, coming out of Pullman. Let's take a quick break and talk about my bookie. Christmas has come and gone, but the Super Bowl is quickly approaching. 
We've just seen what our teams are capable of this season, and now it's time to get your last bets in before the bowl. Will the Ravens be able to get it done? Will Brady and the Patriots get themselves another ring? I don't know, man. They're not hosting for the first time in four years. They don't have a bye week. Pretty crazy stuff that the Dolphins were able to pull it out yesterday. Um, We can talk about that another time, though. I bet you have... A feeling, though, that the Patriots probably could pull it out or that the Ravens will get it done. Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry if you're looking for a sports book to make some bets for the bowl games. MyBookie is where you want to go. Football, not your thing. Don't worry. MyBookie has it all from the NBA to the Premier League. How about the Lakers slaughtering the Mavericks last night? Doncic, no triple-double, which is pretty crazy. I predicted it. Why? Because I bet on my bookie. I bet on the Lakers in that game because the Mavs were not going to get it done on the back end of that doubleheader. MyBookie has the fastest payouts, best promotions, and very helpful 24-hour, 7-day-a-week customer service. You can even pull your bets together for a bigger payout. Let's say you get a couple of big favorites this week. Parlay wagers let you bet multiple games together. And if they all come through, you win big. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the players than any other sports book around. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra grand in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code Believe BLV to get your extra cash from MyBookie. Win, bet, Get paid, mybookie.ag. So we're not going to talk. We did a whole bowl game preview um, with all of these games. We won't go into the Arizona State, Florida State game. I'm not sure how much you can unpack given that half of Arizona State's offense isn't even playing in this game. What's your take on that? Do you like that players decide to recuse themselves from the game to get ready for the NFL? Of course. And, and, And Herm Edwards has put this pathway into place. He's hired all these NFL coaches. He's told these players, if you come here, we're going to get you ready to play in the NFL. So then when the players then say, hey, I'm going to go and get ready for the NFL, um, he can't fault them on that. He's put this he's put this pathway in place. So this is the way it's going to be most likely when it comes to bowl games, uh, unless they're playing probably for a Rose Bowl maybe or the college football playoff down the line, I would assume. But the, the funny thing is what happens when a high – you know, uh, uh, highly sought after or maybe um, top draft pick going into the NFL decides to sit out the college football playoff or a Rose Bowl or anything like that. Essentially, Bosa did it. He could have came back and played in the playoff if they had made it a year ago. I wonder if he would have if they would have been in the playoff and not just the Rose Bowl. And I say that, you know, tongue in cheek because the Rose Bowl, I feel, is like is just as important as anything out there. Um, but I have no problem with it. I'm an advocate for the players. Uh, I'd love to see him play either either – play and and uh don't say anything about it or don't and 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 again don't say anything about it and 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 start your professional career you know that's exactly what you need to do i'm i'm not i would i'm playing if i if i'm in college football and and uh i have my last college football opportunity i'm playing and uh you know there was a little bit more news in in this area that came came out he wasn't playing he played in the bowl game played pretty good and then declared for the draft or declared for the draft this week and that's Jacob Eason and we discussed that at, at length this year and I, I I don't fault him for it I mean it sounds like the scouts feel like he could probably be a, a high draft pick um, you know he's he needs a lot of work and I really think a year and another year in college could have given him that work and really cemented his legacy but from a guy I really respect and somebody who's really knowledgeable especially around that area and Brock Heward Brock told me simply that you know 
he's just he he's a, he wants to be a professional. He's not he's not the college football kind of guy. He's not a college atmosphere kind of guy like let's let's just say Brock and I. We just we love college football, you know, so much. And you know, if we could play eight years in college football and then still go to the pros, we probably would have figured out a way to do that too. So, um, you know, I commend him on his career. Wish him the best of luck. Was hoping that he'd stay another year and we would get Washington with him at the helm. And now it opens up who's going to be the starting quarterback at Washington. How does that play out? Because they're going to be a, uh, a a team that's in the mix. You know, what happens at Oregon losing Justin Herbert? You know, they have a good plan in place, but you know, this is going to all be new. New offensive coordinator there. New offensive coordinator at Washington. There's a lot of turnover here in the Pac-12, and they're not doing anything to cement themselves as a positive force going forward into the 2020 season with how they're performing in the bowl season. Do you think with somebody like Jacob Eason, the benefit will come from backing up or being the third string to a really good quarterback and having a coach who has experience furnishing quarterback, like Bruce Arians, for example. So he goes to Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston, first quarterback ever this season to go 30-30, even though he said he had a great year, which whatever, you take away the 30 interceptions, maybe. But, I mean, he goes, backs up Winston for a year, Bruce Arians helps him, and then he can get worked into a role that's more consistent for him. Is that his path in the NFL because he's just so raw and has so much that he needs to develop to be great at the next level? Yeah, he's got a lot to work on. He's got to work on uh, his pocket presence. You know, they're probably going to ask him to go under center more in the NFL level, and they just didn't do that that often uh, at both uh, Georgia and at Washington. So we'll see. I mean, most programs in college football don't spend much time under center either. You know, you watched Gardner Minshew finish the year uh, ye- uh, yesterday against, uh, uh, I forget who they played, but uh, he played tremendous. I think he ended up with 21 touchdowns on the year and only six interceptions. Um, you know, Nick Foles. The Colts, was, by the way. The Colts. The Nick Foles was, was supposed to be the answer. I don't know. They fire their head coach. They fire their general manager. I don't know what happens next. Um, you know, Nick Foles may may ultimately play like three games in Jacksonville and make what sixty million dollars, yeah, forty crazy, million dollars. Yeah. Who knows? You know, <laughs> it's it's amazing. If the Eagles aren't able to do anything in the playoffs once again, I'm just like, well, every time I'm in Philadelphia and I'm going to be there in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, when people ask me about the Eagles and someone's like, well, well, you you traded away your, your, your the quarterback that wins you Super Bowls. You know, so what? What am I? What are you supposed to do when you do that? Because you know, the other guy hasn't been able to do it, no matter how good he's been in the regular season. You know, he hasn't. This will be his first chance to really get into the playoffs. Yep. So we'll see how it plays out there. But you know, it, it's all all depends on where you go, and that would be that's a great analogy. You you take J- Jacob Eason, you put him in a place with Bruce Arians, learn a system, um, sit behind a guy that's been in the league for a while, but. You really don't know what you got in him, but you're most likely going to franchise him or extend him, which I think you'd probably franchise him just so they have some stability at the quarterback position because they're good. He just he just actually makes things more problematic at times because of, of the turnovers. They lost on a pick six walk-off yesterday. That's Tampa Bay, and guess how Jameis Winston started his career with a pick six. So history does repeat itself. I want to do a quick hypothetical with you because this has become a conversation. We saw LSU blow at Oklahoma. I mean, it was that was easy. Joe Burrow was insane. Halftime, they had 49 points. We saw Ohio State and Clemson go down to the wire. It was a phenomenal game. You were on the sidelines for that. And then you have Georgia, Oregon, Baylor, and Wisconsin sitting at 5, 6, 7, and 8. And people start saying, okay, do you really want to expand the playoff because you will see more games like LSU-Oklahoma than you will like Ohio State-Clemson? Is that a sentiment that you identify with now that we've seen 
an Oklahoma team that is in the college football playoff get blown up because if it was LSU Wisconsin one versus eight or however you want to match it up I mean the, the the playing field will never be as competitive as if you you did a one through four but you could have substituted an Oklahoma team or a, a Georgia or an Oregon or even like a Wisconsin at, at four and probably been a little bit more competitive from a defensive standpoint so now that's then that, that that's the conversation where do you stand on a six or eight team playoff um, I think there was capable teams. I think an Oregon team was capable this year. Uh, if it would have got in as the fifth team, right, um, they would have played Clemson uh, in a six-team playoff. Um, you you didn't know. I mean, I I knew LSU was going to win by by a couple by a couple scores. I didn't think it was going to be that. I mean, what they're doing offensively, what Joe Joe Burrow is seeing, is, is just a different is just a different level right now. So you didn't know it was going to be like that, and. Um, some people actually thought that that uh, Alex Grinch was going to have a better game plan. To he just didn't have the horses on defense to get it done. I mean, that's that's just the bo- bottom line. So it doesn't mean there there needs to be expansion. It doesn't mean there doesn't need an expansion. I don't feel like that game did anything for us. A year ago, the two best teams in the country um, were Clemson and Alabama. They got to the national championship. I think the two best teams in the country this year are LSU and Clemson. They got to the national championship through the process. So you know, LSU had to win a semifinal. To get there, they had to prove it one more time. That's okay. If they had to prove it, they wouldn't have to prove it one more time if they played in the. If there was a six team, right. you know, it would allow for some interesting ball games. You know, let's say Clemson, Georgia, you know, or um, Clemson, Oregon, Georgia, Oklahoma. You know, that's the, those could have been the the quarterfinals. You know, and that I think that would have been really good football. So um, you're not going to dissuade me because of a beatdown. Um, by LSU, guess what? They're the number one team in the country. They should beat down everybody, you know. Now they're not gonna. Um, it's gonna be different against Clemson, but I mean they got about as everything going for them as they can. They're playing as good as they have been playing offensively. They're playing great defensively, uh, and they're playing in their backyard. Clemson travels well. You know they only have to come down south a little bit to New Orleans and get it done. Um, that was a really physical football game on Saturday for Clemson. Luckily for them, they have 16 days to get healthy. And LSU kind of walked through everything. It didn't have to worry about too much. They'll get their running back back after his hamstring problems. And I think they'll be at full strength, and this could be one of the best. You know, I don't know how you stop Joe Burrow right now. I don't. Um, but I know that Brent Venables is going to have a really good game plan and ready for it. Isaiah Simmons being the big part of that. We have a few podcasts up until that game in a few weeks. We'll make sure that we actually do a little bit of, of coverage on, on what to look for in that because Ryan has been on his Clemson and LSU game this entire season. Before we get out of here, because it is the end of 2019, what is your decade highlight from a personal standpoint? And uh, what are your New Year's plans? Do you have any big goals coming up for the new year? What's What do you expect? What do you hope to see for Ryan Leaf in 2020? Well, you know, it's it's... It's being a dad. It's weird. Um, I felt like in the color commentary side of things with ESPN, we were really coming into our own, and we probably had our best game uh, for the Cheese It Bowl. And now it's done. You know, now we got to go eight months before we get another chance to call a football game. I might get some spring games here and there, um, but you know, it's it's you know, sixteen games. Now we now we kind of more dive in more to the studio side. I'll be in Bristol for the first part of the year here, really uh, um, previewing the national championship, and then we'll see what the the spring brings. Um, a lot of travel for speaking engagements and stuff, but um, just I think for two, I think for 2020, just want to be a better 
better husband, better father, um, and that will be the priority, and everything else that comes with that usually has been pretty great so far. Ryan, happy 2020. Happy New Year. I hope everybody has enjoyed uh, the last decade to another great decade, um, and 2020 is just going to bring a whole lot of fun in the sports world. We're going to talk a lot about all sorts of crazy things. The NBA is finally fun again, yet their viewership is down. The NFL is finally fun again. Their viewership is also down. Um, we won't go into why, but a lot of good stuff coming up. I mean, we still have the college football playoff championship, a couple of bowl games, the Rose Bowl. I'll be at the Rose Bowl on Wednesday if you have happen to be there come find me i'll probably uh be at the oregon aepi alumni tailgate i don't know where that is but there'll be a massive sign i'll be around come say hello come say what's up come roast me about why oregon's gonna get slaughtered by wisconsin but until then happy new year happy 2020 it's been a pleasure to bring you believe in the pac 12 on the believe podcast network to another great year of it for Ryan Leaf, my name is Jonathan Rifkin. Signing off, please rate, review, and subscribe. Special thanks to Manscaped and my bookie for their fun and informative ads. Please make sure you check out Manscaped and my bookie. We'll talk to you in the new year. This has been Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcast Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.